Good morning. Right? Okay. Yeah, I, I think I heard you this morning, actually, when Scott said that. That's good. All right. You are awake. Okay. <laughs> oh, greetings, you guys. You know, I'm so glad, so glad to see you all here today. I know we've gone through some struggles in that, but uh, what a blessing to see everybody here this morning. What a blessing, especially with all the struggles that seem to be just surrounding us these days. It's, it's a blessing to have your hearts here. You know, we've been, we started talking about Acts last week, and, and, and that's really, we're talking about building the kingdom. The church starts now, Acts 1. Yeah, in recent Lifeway research, I was reading here, it tells us that last year, churches seemingly <laughs> are failing to follow God's command to lovingly share the gospel and build his kingdom. You know, research shows that 55 to 60% of believing Christians did not share anything of their witness of the gospel. 66% of young adults stopped attending church last year, mainly because they either felt others were judgmental or they just didn't want to connect with people. And 61% who declared themselves to be Christian rarely even attended church at all during the year. You know, friends, those are sobering and disturbing facts, aren't they? News for all of us. Because we want God's church to grow, don't we? Right? Well, we want our, our church to grow because God wants our church to grow. And not just in numbers, but in our faith and our deep understanding and love for God as well. But how do we take that next step? That's what we're going to talk a little bit about this morning. So let's pray together, can we? Father, as we, we come together this morning, I just pray our hearts are open to your words, Father. To the things that your Holy Spirit is wanting to show us and teach us, Lord. I pray, Father, that our hearts will be willing and able and, and just trusting, Lord, to know and follow the things that you are giving us as you, as you showed those in those first days in Acts, Father. Guide this time, Father. May your hand and your spirit be upon us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts chapter 1, it uh, happened just a few days, actually, before the first real growth of the church, right? Uh, you, you see, God's Word shows us how to take the next step if we really look at it and read it and take it in and let the Holy Spirit work on us. It, first of all, we, we have to carry out the Lord's commands. That's what we have to do. And so many times we say, yeah, let's, we'll do that, but... It's easier said than done sometimes, isn't it? Hmm. And, and that's what, but the apostle said, that's the, what we have to do. It said in verse 12, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. You know, to understand that obedience that the apostles were, were doing there in verse 12, we need to look kind of back at some of the verses we looked at last week in verses 4 and 5, which says, gathering them together, he commanded them to not leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me. 
For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So why did the Lord command them to wait in Jerusalem? <laughs> well, yeah, what first thought comes to my mind reminds us the apostles said in verse 11, there were men of Galilee, right? Well, maybe it could have been a natural thing for them just to want to go home now, possibly. But on top of that, the Lord knew what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost, didn't he? He knows. And many thousands would be there for that feast. And 3,000 of those people were going to be saved. The start of the church. You see that? <laughs> and uh, so the Lord wanted his apostles to be in the right place at the right time to reach the most people with the gospel. Friends, I tell you, Jesus, <laughs> I, I, he, he cares a whole lot more about reaching people than we ever could, I think. And that's where we have to grow in that. Uh, <laughs> And he will lead, you know, that's what we want to do. He'll lead us to the best possible place to teach and to see and to witness to people. But then we have to carry out the command, don't we, to share our witness. We need to follow the advice that Jesus' mother gave his servant, you know, the servants at the, in John chapter 2 at the wedding at Cana when they ran out of wine. And Mary gave this great advice to them. She said, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Period. Okay? So the question is, how committed are we to the Lord? How committed are we? Are you ready to do whatever God asks you to do? Are you? Yeah. You know, whether or not you think you can do it. You see, we have to trust that God will provide a way, even if we think we can't. <laughs> Reader's Digest told about a, a mom named Pat who uh, one day caught her little boy. Hmm. Don't listen to this, Silas, please. <laughs> Eating out of the sugar bowl, okay? And, and, and Pat... <laughs> fussed at her son and just scolded him and everything else and said, don't ever let me catch you doing that again. And her little boy replied, I'll try, Mommy, but I can't always hear you coming. <laughs> huh, well, at least he was honest about it, wasn't he? <laughs> you know, beloved, we've got to be more committed to do what the Lord has asked us and tells us to do. We have to be. The disciples obeyed the Lord. They returned to Jerusalem and they waited for the promise. But, you know, we look at the world and we talk to people out there. Many ask, why should we obey? You know, why should we do anything for Jesus? Look at the world today. Huh. Well, you know what? It's because of all that he's done for us. It's because of the cross. That's why. That's what it boils down to. So how can we take that next step for our church? You see, we have to carry out the Lord's commands that he gives to us, no matter what. No matter what. But you know what else? Tonight we're having a prayer session, right? We also must pray with passion. 
We have to renew our passion for prayer, what God is calling us to. And this is the message for us in verses 13 and 14, where the Bible says, when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all were with one mind, one mind, and they were continually devoting themselves to prayer and supplication. Along with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. There's three really important things to notice about our prayers in these verses. The first is, is again, our commitment, our commitment to prayer. The word continually in verse 14 carries the idea of something that's faithful and diligent and courageous and steadfast and stays with it, stands firm. These Christians were devoted to prayer. They were persevering in prayer and being constant in prayer all the time. A.T. Robertson said they, they stuck to praying the, for the promise of the Father until the answer came. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to stick to praying until you get the answer? Or do you just want to pray once and hope sometimes it comes? No. <laughs> oh. Friends, God wants us committed to prayer, but he also wants our cooperation in prayer. Verse 14 says, they all continued with one mind. One mind in prayer. Church, that doesn't mean they agreed on everything. I, I mean, you won't find a group of even 12 people who agree on everything, let alone 120, right? <laughs> but the big picture, the big picture in the things that mattered most, they were absolutely united about Jesus Christ. The big picture. Albert Barnes said, there was no schisms, no divided interests, no discord purposes. And this is really a beautiful picture of, of devotion and, and, and really a specimen of what our worship together should be like. It's constant and it's, it's strong. And it was also a beautiful illustration of Psalm 31, yeah, can't talk, sorry, <laughs> of Psalm 133.1, where God's word declares, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. God wants our cooperation in prayer, friends. But verse 14 also tells us something about the content of our prayer. Luke tells us that these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Prayer means asking. The word used to describe asking God for help. The word picture here is bowing before the Lord God yourself. We bow before him to give him the glory. Give him the glory and the praise that he deserves. We bow towards him to draw close to him in worship. While we're here, it's, worship isn't just about singing songs. It's about our heart drawing close to him. We bow before him in reverence. Plus, there's the understanding in the word that there are some needs that only God can supply for us. 
And supplication means having a need and asking for help. When you stop and realize, I can't do this. The root word to this is to bind. So there's a, a great strength here when you think about it, like binding ourselves to the chains of our purposes in prayer. Chain ourselves to those purposes. Then supplication kicks prayer then into that high gear, and it's praying with urgency. You see, when we make our supplications, we also bind ourselves to God and His perfect will. We have to. We know that, that we are in the best hands with God, aren't we? We're in the best hands when we're in His hands. And, and we're willing to accept the answer that He gives, even if it's not really what we were thinking or wanting or what we thought should be. We're willing to accept His answer. Uh, there's a young girl, Elisa Morgan, saw a perfect picture of this in her 11-year-old daughter. Uh, this mother was troubled one night because one of her friend's teenage daughters had suddenly come down with some, some problem, mysterious illness, and the girl's hair was just falling out like crazy. <laughs> and Elisa asked her own daughter, Eva, to pray for Amy. And that night, young Eva simply prayed, Jesus, please hold Amy's hair on her head. <laughs> Over time, the doctors tried all kinds of different treatments, but Amy continued to lose her hair, and Eva continued to pray, Jesus, please hold Amy's hair on her head. After six weeks, the doctors found that Amy had an extremely rare disorder where hair loss can be complete and permanent. And that night, Eva's prayer was different. She said, Dear Jesus, if you won't hold Amy's hair on her head, would you please just hold Amy? <laughs> 11 years old. She got it right, friends. She got it right. <laughs> Father, thy will be done. Not mine, yours. So then how can we take the next step? For our church, you know, we have to pray with passion and we have to believe in the Bible, in God's word, the truth. We have to complete, have complete confidence in the word of God. And this is the lesson for us in verses 15 to 20, I believe, where God's word says, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scriptures had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in his ministry. Now this man purchased a field with wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all of his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that field is called in their own language. I'm not good at this. Maybe you can help me, Scott, but Achel Dama. That is field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. 
You know, there's so much we could say about those verses, isn't there? But the key for us today that I want to look at in verse 16, where Peter said, men and brother, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which is the Holy, what the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David. You see, the scripture had to be fulfilled. That's what he's telling us here. It reminds us that there is no other book. There is no other book in, in the world, in existence, like the Bible. There is no other. And the Holy Spirit told those men what to say. And many times, maybe they didn't even understand what they were hearing and what the long-term significance of what it was, but they heard it. In verse 20 quotes King David from Psalm 41.9 and Psalm 69.25 and Psalm 109. And those verses were written a thousand years before Jesus was born. Plus, there are more Old Testament scriptures that prophesied about Judas the betrayer. I mean, 500 years before Jesus was born, Zechariah wrote in Zechariah 11.12 of the same reference. These fulfilled prophecies and hundreds more prove to us that the Bible is miraculous, infallible, eternal, soul-saving, life-giving Word of God. It is. So friends, now, how can we take the next step for our church? We have to believe in the Bible, the true Word of God, the absolute and perfect truth. But we must also enlist and equip more help, right? Hmm. We need to enlist and equip more people to serve the Lord. This is the lesson for us in verse 20 to 23, where Peter said, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accomplished this, all the have accompanied us, sorry, all of this time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day when he was taken from us. One of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed to Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. People will surely have to be enlisted to serve the Lord, right? Are you ready? Are you ready to serve the Lord? Amen. Matthew 9, 36 to 38 tells us that when he, Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. But they, when, <clears throat> because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray then therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. More workers for the harvest. They were needed then and friends, they're needed right now. They are definitely needed now. They So much they're needed. You know, God wants our church to enlist new leaders 
equip new leaders. And uh, I know there's somebody out there right now that's remembering what we talked about yesterday. <laughs> These two possible candidates for apostles had been had the best training possible, didn't they? I mean, they had been with Jesus for three years. They'd been with Jesus from the beginning of the Lord's ministry to the end. And you see, all of us can be equipped to serve the Lord. We can. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, what your health is, anything. You see, all of us can. And that's because there are so many different ways to serve. And remember, with God, anything is possible. Anything. Paul explained it this way in Romans 12, 4 through 8. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. So, yeah, that's what it's about. There is so much that we can do. Witnessing and working, serving in Sunday school, worship, you know, we're gonna, we want to start doing some worship stuff here. And I'm meeting with Ben from Resonate Church this week. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so... Um, children's church, nursery... Thank you, Carla, for volunteering for nursery. And, uh, and so much more, though. There's so much more to do in reaching people. And I'm thinking right now about the VBS that we have coming this summer. That, you know, we, we've got a group coming from Lubbock, Texas to help us. So this is amazing. You know, it's, it's great. And we need to enlist as many people as we can to help in reaching this community where God has put us. If you're truly a Christian, if you are, God has saved you and placed you right here, right now, for His purpose and His reason. Amen. Think about that. We all need to get equipped to somehow serve the Lord. More workers for the harvest are surely needed today. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send both laborers, forth laborers into the harvest. So how can we take the next step for our church? We have to enlist and equip more help. But we must also accept the assignment that the Lord gives us. We have to humbly serve as the Lord's leader, and we must bloom where the Lord plants us. Friends, that's so important. Serve as the Lord leads you and bloom where he plants you. Luke, 12, Luke 20, 1, 23 to 26 says, And they proposed to Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, Show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and to apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. 
Now, you know, your first thought, you know, when you read that, you might think, well, it probably wasn't a great day for Joseph there, was it? The guy who wasn't picked to be first on the first team. I wonder what happened to him. <laughs> we don't know. And we really don't know what happened to Matthias either. But we do know that God put the right man in the right place at the right time. And I have to believe that they both humbly served the Lord as well as they could. And friends, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. I, I love the story also of Max Lucado who told about John England. He was a tailor who was also a deacon in his church in Colchester, England. When John woke up on a January Sunday in 1850, the town was covered in snow. <laughs> it, was, it was cold. And he thought about staying home. Why wouldn't he, you know? <laughs> it's cold, it's snowy. It's like, you know, how many, people, how many of us wanted to stay home a couple of weeks ago, you know? But John wanted to be faithful. So he put on his hat and coat and walked, walked six miles to church. Only 13 people made it to church that day, that morning. 12 members and one visitor. And even the preacher was snowed in. <laughs> but someone suggested they just go home. But John would have none of that, no. They, they'd come so far, they, they would have a service. Besides, they had a visitor, a 13-year-old boy. But who's going to preach, they said. Well, John was the only deacon there, so the job kind of fell on him. And he preached, he preached, even though he had never preached before. <laughs> John stumbled through his 10-minute sermon. He read from Isaiah 45, 22, where the, thus saith the Lord, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Look unto the Lord. Look unto me. John closed his message by looking at this young visiting teenager saying, Young man, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. You've got nothing to do to look and live. Look. Look, young man. Look to Jesus. It was just what God wanted the young visitor to hear. John England said, Look to Jesus. And the young man did. Young Charles Spurgeon got saved that snowy day and grew up to become a great preacher. You know, thousands and thousands of people have been saved because of that ministry, all because a man who had never preached before accepted the Lord's assignment, even though he thought he couldn't do it. Are you ready? You see, amazing things will happen. Will happen when we humbly serve the Lord and as He leads. And God will surely help us take the next step if we will. If we will carry out His commands, do what He has told us to do, to pray with passion, and to believe in the truth of God's holy word. And then to go forth and enlist, enlist more help, teaching, and then humbly accept the assignment that the Lord gives us to move forward. That, my friends, is the beginning of the church Amen. and it moving forward in these days.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time. And I thank you for blessing this time, Father, as we come to you. May we be ready and willing to give up any of our hopes and dreams to follow you that are so much better than anything we could ever imagine. May we serve, Father, and trust and believe, Father, in the truth that you've given us. And may our prayers be passionate in all that we do, Lord. And may we accept what you call us to do, Lord, in every way. Thank you, Lord. Bless us, Father, as we go this day. In Jesus' precious name, amen.